0: They wallow in corruption, crime and gore, ding ling ling city desk, pull the press, pull the press, extra, extra, read all about it, it's a mess, meets the test. Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people, it's wonderful to represent the press. Now you remember...
1: The Media Project is a half hour of commentary and analysis where we talk about what's going on in the news media. And we invite you to join us and share some of the time where we talk about this. I'm Rex Smith, a formerly editor of the Times Union, now running the Upstate American. I am here with Barbara Lombardo, the former executive editor of the Saratogian and the Record of Troy, and Ian Pickus, the news director of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Here we are, three folks in a room, not three men in a room, is the old saying about New York State government. Three People in a room. There we are. We are three people in a room, and we're going to talk about what's going on, which, by the way, Ian, let's start with you. Before we go any further, there is this new entity called New York Public News Network, and since you are a public news director, it sounds like it's uh, up your alley. What actually is it, anyway?
2: Well, it's very exciting, and I don't think it entirely hit me until I saw the new logo that accompanied the announcement from 12 different stations across New York State. And we've been working on this for a number of months, really years coming together to formalize a content sharing effort among a number of stations in New York state. And the goal will be, number one, to establish a bit of a sound across New York so that people who use public media and listen to public media will be exposed to stories that have come through the network that maybe they originated at a station in Buffalo and they're in Albany, but they're still learning something important about New York State. So that's the basic idea. And now it's come to fruition, so you'll hear on stations like WAMC and 11 others, folks are going to be signing off at the end of their stories by saying for the New York Public News Network instead of for whichever station they're coming from. And I think the basic idea is let's make New York State public radio in regions and in localities kind of have a brand and a sound across New York State, no matter where you are, because we're all in our own areas doing important work, we think, and if we're able to platform that together, share resources, talk over ideas, that's where we're starting, and where we hope to go in the future is to bolster all those efforts and maybe work together on reporting projects, shared editing, best practices, and even uh, potentially adding to our ranks. So it's very exciting. It's just launched as we speak this week, and you'll, I hope, notice it. If you're doing some road trips across New York, you might be hearing voices that you know from WAMC elsewhere.
1: What do you mean? You use the phrase twice, uh, share a sound. Is there going to be, are, are there certain parameters of the way you want these stories to sound across the state?
2: Yeah, there is. And I think we're talking a lot about editorial practices, oversight, how you make a story the most effective it can be, both online, where that content sharing is already happening, but also on the air. And I think part of this is that most of the stations who are working together have shared coverage of the state capitol before. But, you know, as the globe has flattened, a lot of the issues that get talked about in Albany are really relevant. Elsewhere across the state, some of these stations are, you know, five and six hours away from the state capitol, but the things that are decided right down the street here really affect them. So we want to have not a monotone sound, but a more uniform sound with each other.
1: Do you think you can localize a story so that if there's a housing issue in Buffalo, for example, they might actually be able to relate it to a housing issue in Albany?
2: We think so, and a lot of that has happened with issues like good-cause eviction, where you're making a connection, oh, this is happening in Kingston and Albany, and that's happened sort of organically already the challenge will be for us to force ourselves to look at issues on a statewide level when many of us have gotten very accustomed to thinking in terms of a coverage area that's as far as our radio signal goes and this will i think force a lot of us to get into the 21st century a little bit and and recognize that once you put it online you know there's no reason that story can't go beyond where your signal goes so it's
3: pretty exciting Ian, I have a couple of questions for you about it. So, WAMC has an incredible reach, speaking of reach, which would suggest that, of the many partners in this new plan, that WAMC would be a major feeder of information to the other groups. How are you guys addressing issues of how much resources you're going to be able to put in there, and is there financial compensation for using it, and how do you get to be a part of this network if you're a public station?
2: Yes, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school, but that's that's a part of it. Everyone who has joined up has signed an agreement to contribute to the greater good and with a recognition that some stations that are in this partnership have fewer resources than others. But the idea is that, you know, the rising tide will lift all the boats And yeah, we're fortunate that we've got news bureaus in six different geographic regions. So a lot of times we're doing things sometimes more quickly. Or with more resources than some of the other places are. But the same can be said for some of the smaller stations we have. You know, one of them that's in this partnership is a Sullivan County based newsroom. So they cover Sullivan County a lot more closely than we do, even though we also broadcast to Sullivan County. So we'll pause to... now to explain where Sullivan County is. Right. <laughs> this is in New York's southern tier. Uh, it's a rural part of the Hudson Valley that's almost Pennsylvania uh-huh. and a place you know, when you're thinking about the Hudson Valley and Westchester County has a million residents that sometimes can get left behind in the day-to-day coverage. So, you know, we hope to all share with each other as much as we possibly can. And we have, I think the, the major change here is that we've all recognized that in separate silos, we can work as hard as we're working and be successful. But Coming together will make Everybody stronger. Yeah, I think it's
1: a great Idea, and it's a, you know, for 30 years You all have shared Karen DeWitt The correspondent at the state capitol, but This means that you actually have more Assets statewide, and frankly A lot of your listeners in the State of New York have will have more Interest in what's being reported From Syracuse, let's Say, or Rochester, than what they do Springfield. It's just that your signal Hits Springfield, Massachusetts, right? Right, so.
2: and we're not going to leave Massachusetts sits behind. Uh, That's a big part of it for us, obviously. But you're right in New York state. And when you're talking about Syracuse or Rochester, a lot of times this is all back end production work that is not sexy in any way. But let's see. Okay, Senator Schumer is going to be in Rochester today. We want to ask him about X issue. Can we work together so that that answer can be used statewide? And that's the kind of work that I think is going to help us in the long run You know, just serve the audience in a better way.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. Well, anyway, it just seems like a good idea to talk about this because oftentimes in this show we talk about how we are responding to the changing financial status of all the media. (laughs) You know, we all are resource stressed. There simply isn't as much support for, let's call it, legacy media as there used to be. This is a great way to bring new and better content to your existing audience.
2: And everybody's got a little different Mm -hmm. skill set when you do something like this, and that that can be very helpful. You know, I've learned that just being on these weekly meetings for the last many months with our other stations, you know, they have their own ideas, they've got their own way of doing things, and uh, bringing that together, you know, it just adds to the diversity that people love about public media.
3: So would you be having somebody in charge of coordinating all that? How is it fed to the member stations?
2: Well, a lot of it is what happens in our weekly meeting with each other. And kind of putting your cards on the table. In the long run, if this is a successful operation, you know, the vision, I think, is to have, like other states have done, perhaps a central editing hub, perhaps a benevolent dictator to be the traffic cop, which is largely my role at WAMC. So if you're looking at that on a statewide basis, you know, for these things to be successful, it takes more than goodwill.
1: All right. Terrific. Folks, just a little explanation of the uh New York Public News Network How about that? A pretty cool thing going on Media at wamc.org, by the way Is how you share your point of view Ian Pickus there And Barbara Lombardo And I'm Rex Smith And thank you for joining us All right, we need to talk about Truth-telling Which is what we're supposedly about here And I want to share an assessment From an organization called FAIR Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting It is a media critique from the left Which points out that The reality of Inflation is a lot less than how it seems to be perceived And blames the media somewhat for the overwhelming public discontent Inflation is now at 2.6%, which is where the Fed had wanted it to be uh, That is, we've hit the Fed's target Inflation is tamed, that is, below the level that it was When Ronald Reagan campaigned for re-election Saying it's morning again in America The misery index, which is a rough gauge of uh, It sums up inflation and unemployment. It's 12 percent back when Ronald Reagan proclaimed its morning in America. Today, it's at 7 percent. So it makes you say things are really in pretty good shape, but the public isn't buying it. And the question is, is that because we in the news media are fixated on inflation? Do you think that we are to blame for the public's perception or are we reflecting it?
2: I'll go first. A congressperson just told me that we were guilty of this, and reading this article, it gave me a little bit of pause. You know, I wrote a short story the other day about the consumer sentiment poll that came out. Yeah, it does kind of become a self-fulfilling prophecy. The public officials are, especially right now, The Republicans, who are critical of the Biden administration, are talking about inflation every chance they have. So then you cover what they say, and it gets repeated, and then the poll reflects back that the public is hearing about inflation a lot. And yes, I think we probably have contributed to it. I don't see how we could get, <laughs> give ourselves getting off scot-free on well, that one. Well, do you
3: see a way of getting around it or righting our wrong, if it, if it is indeed wrong?
1: <laughs> well, if our general, that's an interesting question, because if our goal is to reflect reality and the reality is that people are ticked off, maybe we're just doing what we have to do.
3: We could be reflecting what they're feeling, but also continually hammering them with the Telling them facts. why their feelings are wrong. But my <laughs> facts, but the facts, when you go to the grocery store, those are your facts. Mm-hmm. And telling me that inflation is lower than it was a little bit ago doesn't mean that it's better than it was a few years ago. So the reality... But isn't it? Maybe, it's not our
1: fault. There's just a more general disillusionment with the way things are going, and the public is grouchier than it used to be. And we have, of course, the political reality of Donald Trump being out there, <laughs> telling them how bad everything is. And naturally, a candidate trying to vie for office is going to tell you that the incumbent is not doing well. But there also used to be more of a standard of truth-telling in, in that, I think.
3: Yeah, and there's also throwing around terms like inflation when most reporters and editors don't understand a darn thing we're writing about. What do you mean you by barely that? Do, you could be, I think that there's a lot of—maybe I'm just speaking for myself. If we're writing about economics and reporting on economics, it's easy to report on the broader issues. You're taking um, information off of a state or federal report or some sort of jobs numbers report, or whatever it might be. And we don't really understand how to drive down
1: and how this is going to really affect Joe Blow on the street. You know, it's interesting because there has been some research suggesting that cable news in particular has abandoned other standards of reporting about the economy, such as job growth, consumer spending, GDP, you know, how's the economy doing overall? I mean, the, the economy grew at a rate of 5% last year. It was amazing because it was only expected to be about half that. So over the course of Biden's presidency, especially cable news, has focused on prices of goods and services, focused on inflation, and that is not a good story.
2: And then that does become our fault. Yeah, and I, uh, I talked to a lot of pollsters and I've asked Tim Malloy from Quinnipiac this before because people, when they are polled, are never going to say Congress is doing a good job. I mean, that's just a perpetual fact, right? So if you ask somebody, and I've asked Sienna the same thing, in your poll, how does the economy feel to you? Does anybody ever have enough money? are prices ever low enough to be comfortable? No, I mean, the answer is always negative. (laughs) That's human nature. Right,
1: and distrust in government has grown so much, but we've always been down on politicians. That's not new, you know. uh, It was Will Rogers, right, who said, America has the best politicians money can buy. (laughs) Great stuff. But it's kind of the way we view politics, and that tends to put a negative light on everything. So the question is, is it fair for us to be held to account for it, us media generally, or are we simply reflecting the reality of the way people see things?
2: I don't have a good answer to that, but I think nothing's changed. I mean, it's the economy stupid. It'll be the main issue between Trump and Biden, uh, most likely, as they debate this 2024 presidential campaign. And as I think Barbara said earlier, you know, you can't argue with how somebody is feeling, no matter what the facts are. Yeah. Media
1: alarmism is a term that the uh, folks at Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting referred to it. I don't know. It's a hard thing. You can't write a news story that says, we go through this all the time. And I always say to people, look, if more than 100 planes take off and land at Albany International Airport every day and we... We don't cover those successful takeoffs and landings, but if one single plane belly flops, we're going to be all over that story because that's just the nature of news. You cover what's a departure from the norm. And so if prices are rising and if people are aware of what's causing them trouble, you're going to write about it. It's not alarmism, it's accuracy. But I do hope that we are thoughtful about it anyway And perhaps our listeners have some thoughts, media at wamc.org is how you might share them with us if you have some thoughts. Okay, we're going to talk about something that people really care about and that's sports. Hmm. (laughs) We're not talking about Bill Belichick uh, leaving, we're talking about Pat McAfee's show. Now if people are not watchers of ESPN, they might not understand that Pat McAfee is just a huge star of sports commentary. And that on one of his shows, he has used Aaron Rodgers, the terrific NFL quarterback, who is a smart guy, but kind of a wacko on some topics. Is that a fair assessment? I, I was going to say
3: wackadoodle. Well, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent at his sport, mm-hmm. but something's wrong upstairs. He's stupid about
1: how smart he thinks he is. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> So he, in particular, took a shot at Jimmy Kimmel that seems to have really gone off the rails. And the result of it is that Aaron Rodgers is no longer appearing on uh, Pat McAfee's show on ESPN.
2: Why does this matter to us? There's so many levels here, but it is a microcosm of our current American conversation. Let me just back up and say... I'm a Jets fan, and I was hoping he'd have a good season. He got hurt on the first series of the year and hasn't played since. And that has given him way too much free time to go on the McAfee podcast, for which McAfee is being paid $85 million over five years. He's a former punter in the NFL and a new media star. And Rodgers... Dating back to what he said about COVID, where he gave a wink and a nod and said he was inoculated and everyone assumed he'd had the shot and he hadn't, has been a COVID vaccine skeptic. He's used his airtime to undercut Tony Fauci. And now this past week, he said that Jimmy Kimmel was going to be on the Jeffrey Epstein documents with no evidence. He wasn't. And at a certain point, I think McAfee, whose show is sold to ESPN but not owned by ESPN, uh, has decided to cut bait with having Rodgers on once a week. I don't know. He doesn't have a lot of time left in the NFL, and it kind of worries me what he thinks his post-playing career will look like. Uh, he's already, it seems insane to say, been a Jeopardy host, <laughs> which is our our, our probably uh, last agreed upon. Uh, home base for facts, it's alarming. And usually ESPN, especially in the Trump years, has wanted to be apolitical to the extent that's possible. And that is being challenged by platforming people like him. If he's opening his mouth, He's usually saying something not true.
3: But I'd like to go beyond Rogers and look at McAfee. Mm -hmm. And I don't listen to his show, but I understand that he's very popular and he's actually good at what he does with the show. And yet he has allowed irresponsible behavior on his show. And so do you think I'll turn to you, Ian, and do you listen to it? Not Uh, not to the McAfee show, no, I don't. Should he be allowed to continue? I'm worried that it's ESPN just allowing... Somebody makes us a lot of money, so we're okay with paying a lot of money to license them, to air them, and we don't really care. We don't have any sense of responsibility for what they're allowing on their airtime. I mean, what do you think about that?
2: Yeah, we've been down this road on a much smaller scale here, and his claim that... Well, that's what the guest said. It wasn't me. Look, that doesn't fly. You booked the guest. You gave him a weekly platform. You didn't push back on anything he said. McAfee is a good broadcaster, and he's really great at getting NFL players and people to open up and to break down the game. I don't know why that's not enough. I don't understand why you want to traffic in this kind of programming. Well, look Uh, at
3: all the free publicity this is generating to people that didn't really follow them before.
2: It's true, but you know, Joe Rogan makes a lot of money. He doesn't have the best reputation. So I guess that (laughs) depends on what you care about.
1: So if hosts are responsible for holding their guests to account, in this case, a highly paid guest as opposed to a politician, let's talk a little bit about Kristen Welker, (laughs) the host of Meet the Press, who has gotten a lot of grief for supposedly letting Elise Stefanik, congresswoman from the uh, North Country, get away with saying some things on Meet the Press. Kristen Welker took over from Chuck Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd. And most people say, yeah, she's very smart, and people always were critical of Chuck Todd, as they, I suppose, would be of any host. But Elise Stefanik referred to the people who have been convicted of attacking the Capitol on January 6, 2021. She referred to them as hostages. I have concerns, she said, about the treatment of January 6 hostages. I have concerns. And Christian Walker did not challenge her on that. How do you deal with something like that when you have a politician who says things that are kind of outrageous. I mean, calling someone January 6th hostage, Liz Cheney's response to that was, she said, it's outrageous and it's disgusting. Um, These are people who have been convicted of crimes. And so what is the role of the host, the journalist, the interviewer, when they hear something outrageous like that?
3: I was going to cut, Kristen, a little bit of slack on that one because you're Interviewing somebody live, and I didn't listen to the whole interview, but I read about snippets of it, and that there were things that Stefanik said that Welker did hold her to account. So it wasn't that she got completely rolled over. So this was highly regrettable that that slipped by her, but sometimes that is going to happen in a live interview with somebody. So I bet you that Kristen Welker regrets this moment.
1: But there are so many other moments in that she had her on, I think, for almost 20 minutes, a hugely (laughs) lengthy interview on broadcast standards. And so it was just one word, I guess, out of a long interview. Yeah,
3: But it it was highly regrettable because that's an opportunity to pinpoint the propaganda that Stefanik is spewing and to make her be accountable for what she is saying.
2: Yeah, I think hostages is a ludicrous thing to say. So just getting that out there. But I am sympathetic like you are. Barbara, the you know, as the host of the Congressional Corner on WAMC, first of all, it's really hard to do live fact checks of everything politicians who are professional at this are saying to you as it's going. And you've got to calculate, okay, I've got this much time. I want to get to these issues. Do I fight about that one word? Do I try to get the bigger issue? It's tough. And believe me, people who write to me after a Congressional Corner segment airs, they pick up on these things. I've,
3: been, another... I've been among that. Exactly. <laughs> Don't let them get away <laughs> with it.
2: That yeah. crew. But there's also another school of thought. You know, Alan Shartak who used to be on this show, would say a lot of times, hey, you heard it. You understood what she meant by hostages. You're smart enough to know what she was getting at. You made up your own mind that that was a ludicrous thing to say. Yeah, and, but it uh, was super ludicrous. And, <laughs> uh, it wasn't, gee, I wonder what people will mean by
3: that. It shouldn't have gotten by her. On yet,
1: CBS's Face the Nation, Margaret Brennan, his host, uh, repeatedly came back to the House speaker, uh, Mike Johnson, and tried to get him to... Differentiate his view from Donald Trump's When Trump says that immigrants are Poisoning the blood uh, Which is of course the exact language that Adolf Hitler used leading up to the final Solution and she Asked him three times, and Mike Johnson never disassociated himself from Donald Trump's statement.
3: I would have tried to rephrase the sentence in a way that would have forced some kind of an answer, because he clearly wasn't going to be answering it the way she was phrasing it, just to say, uh, okay, Donald Trump has said poisoning the blood. How would you put it?
2: Do you agree that they are poisoning the blood of America? Yeah. Yes mm. or no? Mm. I know. I that was a missed opportunity. Th-
3: yes. So hard. And it is hard because they still are going to ignore your question and talk over you or whatever. But.
1: And you still have a producer in your ear telling you you got uh, 12 seconds till a commercial break, you know. So it is very, it is really hard work what those uh, hosts do every morning.
2: I had a moment like this with Mark Molinaro the other day. He went to the southern border on this trip with the House Republicans to say that the immigration policy is not working. And I asked, you know, is it appropriate for Governor Greg Abbott to put people on a bus, not tell them where they're going with no supplies. And the answer was why this is what is so hard, what we're talking about is so hard, which was no but all the other things, you know. So it's easier uh, said than done. Believe me.
1: Yes, absolutely true. And politicians are terrific. Uh, Successful politicians are very good at talking about what they want to say as opposed to what you're asking them. Shifting the burden. Okay, well, we have quickly gone through our half hour, folks. Amazingly enough, we had so much we wanted to talk about. We'll see if we can do some more next time. And if you folks have thoughts, media at wamc.org is how you share it with us. Ian Pickus, the news director of Northeast Public Radio, is here. Barbara Lombardo, formerly executive editor of The Saratogian and The Record. And I'm Rex Smith. We are grateful to our producer, Dave Gustina, and to all of you for joining us once again this week on The Media Project.
0: Oh, are such interesting people. It's wonderful to represent represents a now you remember Mrs. Sadie Smuggery. She wanted money to buy a new fur coat. To get insurance, she employed Skullduggery.
1: The Media Project is a national production of
0: WAMC, Northeast Public Radio. This week's projectors include former Times Union editor and current Substack columnist of the Upstate American Rex Smith,
1: Barbara Lombardo, the former editor of The Saratogian and a journalism professor at the University at Albany, and WAMC News Director Ian Pickus. You can listen to The Media Project anytime at wamcpodcast.org or anywhere you get your podcast. I'm your producer, David Gustina. Thanks for listening.
0: Like the richest girl who could not bake a cake. Ding, ling, ding, ling, 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 ling. Now, newspapermen are such interesting people. They used to work like hell just for romance. But finally, the movies notwithstanding, they all got tired of patches on their pants. They organized a union to get a living wage. They joined with other actors upon a living stage. Now, newspapermen are such interesting people when they know they've got a people's fight to wage. ting ling ling Newspaper Guild, got a free new world to build. Meet the people, that's a thrill. All together fits the bill. Oh, newspapermen are such interesting people. It's wonderful to represent the people. Publishers are such interesting people, their policy's an acrobatic thing, they claim to represent the common people, it's funny Wall Street never has complained, ah but publishers have worries for publishers must go, to working folks for readers and to big shots for their dough, now publishers are such interesting people, it could be prostitution, I don't know. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, circulation. ting ling a ling advertising. Get those readers, get that payoff. What a headache, what a mess. Oh, publishers are such interesting people. Let's give three cheers for freedom of the press.